coming up on the Building a Coaching Culture podcast. Power abhors a vacuum. And so if you leave that vacuum open, you remove your leadership, it's going to be filled with something. And it could just as easily be filled with tyranny by an evil person rather than leadership by someone such as yourself, who's a humble, courageous leader. You're listening to the Building a Coaching Culture podcast. If you need to compete and win in the 21st century labor market as an employer of choice, this podcast is for you. Each week, we share leadership development, coaching, and culture development insights from leading experts who are developing world-class cultures in their own organizations. And now, here's your host, J.R. Flatter. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm J.R. Flatter, and as always, joined by Rosalie and Lucas. Mm. And today we're talking about power as a characteristic of your courageous leadership. And again, as we get into these enabling characteristics, humility last time and, and power this time, a little bit provocative. Sometimes there's some pushback, and so we'll work through all of that as we go through today. Humility was last time, just a quick review. I wanted you to journal for the week on humility, what it meant to you, what it meant to you and your significant others together. We found a courageous leader and had a chat with them about humility and how it fitted to their life, how it influenced their leadership. And then hopefully you had a chance to meet with your coach and talk about humility and anything else that's relevant at this point in your leadership journey. Thanks for continuing with us on this journey. We're probably about two thirds of the, no, about halfway through right about now. So here's our quote of the week. I think it's especially relevant to power. And, and we might see this. You know, certainly we've seen examples of this in history. And we may be seeing examples of it in contemporary uh, world events right now. Edmund Burke, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do nothing. Why I think that's especially relevant to this week is power it bores a vacuum. And so if you leave that vacuum open, you remove your leadership, it's going to be filled with something. And it could just as easily be filled with tyranny by an evil person rather than leadership by someone such as yourself, who is a humble, courageous leader. So we'd much rather have a humble, courageous leader in those positions than a tyrant. So I think this is especially powerful, no pun intended. So how do we define power, the kind of power we're talking about here? voluntarily. So that's a huge part of this definition. You volunteer to be leaders, whether you realize it or not, you could have opted out. Most of us in a leadership role in some way or another self-select ourselves into those roles. So there's a huge voluntary nature to this. And then creating, collecting, and using power. Think about that in your organizations. Do you purposefully create power, collect it, and then when necessary, use it to create greater value. So just like we think humility will allow you to take your team to a much higher level, we also strongly believe creating, collecting, and using power will help you create greater value. And finally, to control entropy. Entropy is a fancy way of saying the world has a natural tendency toward disorder. So another reason that we organize is we put specific people in specific roles with clarified position descriptions. And then we hire people with expertise in those areas to perform those roles. 
And if we didn't do those things, if we didn't organize and then put leaders in place to control the organization, we would still all be wandering around doing our own thing, contributing what we thought was most valuable. And that's entropy because that would naturally just fall apart. If you hear the phrase in your leadership from others, why do I have to have that conversation? They're a professional. Why do I have to write this policy? Everybody on our team is professionals. It's another way to control that natural entropy. So don't get discouraged. Don't get angry, disappointed because you're controlling entropy because it is very natural. It's natural in nature and it's certainly natural in human beings. Lucas, we should know how you define your leadership power. Well, I just think about, you know, what you were mentioning earlier about the volunteer aspect. It's like you'll be in a group and if nobody kind of steps up and takes that mantle, then it's going to be hard to figure out what when your meetings are going to be. <laughs> and, and, you know, like mm-hmm. it's not that this person is, you know, they're so much smarter and so their decisions are necessarily better. It's just that any decisions in a group are necessary. And so somebody needs to be the, you know, guiding force behind that. Yeah. Kind of piggybacking on what Lucas was saying, I think that they're typically in a visionary, productive group. There's one person who's kind of leading and having and creating that power, not only for themselves, but for others. And so in some ways, power can be kind of a scary thing because it's a big responsibility to take the group and be the guiding force for them. So for me, power was one of the characteristics that always scared me. Because just as a woman as well, it's not like you often see very, very powerful women in comic books and stuff like that growing Mm. up. So for me, I'm still learning how to create that power and feel confident about it, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. That's similar to any leader's journey, I would strongly hypothesize. There are a lot of life events and characteristics and ethnicities and genders that contribute to that. We're all on that same journey. I've been leading for 44 years. I still have some of these challenges and I'm sure our listeners do as well. But power in the hands of a leader is a beautiful thing. Power in the hands of a tyrant is a very ugly thing. We have that choice to volunteer and fill that leadership requirement with our power. That's why we strongly, strongly encourage everyone to create, collect, and use power. Willingness and ability to influence the action self, team, and others. So self-discipline is power over self, right? So Lucas was talking about uh, somebody's got to be in front, like a conductor, right? He's conducting, he's not playing the violin or playing the harp. He's conducting that organization that they put together. Having that willingness and ability, we're going to see that in every characteristic. Do you have the willingness and ability? Can you muster the courage to be willing and or able? And if you don't have willingness, what can you do to change it? If you don't have ability, what can you do to change it? Both of those are what we're focused on here. So quickly, I want to go through the common different kinds of power. Probably really familiar with most of all of these, except for the last one, perhaps. Positional power is the one that we're most familiar with. It's in that org chart that whoever's at the top is in that positional power. Uh, but that quickly fades. I'm the boss. That's why. You can only say that too much. Lucas, you're a new parent. When you're telling your son, I'm the daddy, that's why. That's not only going to get you so far. Mm -hmm. Expert power. I have a common PhD after my name, so you probably would assume I have some expertise in something. 
as soon as another expert comes into the room or as soon as I teach somebody my expertise, that expert power is lessened. Information power, you often see this in bureaucratic organizations. I have a secret. I'm not telling anyone because it makes me more powerful. Well, as soon as someone else learns that information, that reduces your power. Coercive and reward, one you know, putting the punishment on someone and another uh, putting a reward to someone, those only go so far. You can only punish someone so many times or reward somebody so many times that it gets lessened and ineffective. Connection power, I know a guy. We all say that. We all seek out somebody who knows somebody that we need to know. It's obvious once you make that connection, then you no longer have that unique connection ability. And so that power lessens. So if you want to grow your power over time and sustain it, you have to have created, voluntarily created what we call referent power. There are many other ways that you could say referent power, but at the end of the day, we're just saying, I follow you because I believe in you. I believe in your mission and I want to be part of this team. So when we say create, collect, and use power, we are suggesting you create, collect, and use referent power. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Teammates, I'd be interested to hear from you, your experiences with these different kinds of power and how are you on your journey? Yeah, I mean, I could relate a bunch of these to like personal anecdotes throughout my life. I'll say like sometimes positional power isn't everything. In high school, I was president of SGA. And in that, I had that title. And I think it took me about two months to get over the hump of like this overwhelming responsibility that seemed so daunting to me, but in reality was just a common set of tasks and holding being like that bridge between the faculty and students. So for a lot of these, I could relate them to personal anecdotes in my life, but I've always really admired and looked up to the people that have that referent power. I think it's really neat that this characteristic follows right after humility, because I think it's that great combination of being humble and having that power and just treating everyone that you meet like a human being. Yeah, I think you kind of build referent power over time by like, selectively deciding where to use it. So it's almost like the other forms of power you can really deliberately use and, you know, to your advantage. But if you take advantage of the referent power, you're kind of going to lose it faster than you can gain it just because it takes mm -hmm. time to gain a reputation and, you know, your sense of integrity and all those things that you're trying to communicate to people. Mm -hmm. If you abuse that, it's going to be gone in an instant. So. Yeah, you're right. If you begin to act tyrannically or you're not demonstrating humility, power is voluntarily given to you. Why don't you stop and think about that for a second? So if we look back at the different kinds of power, positional expert information, each of those is given to you by the follower. Even coercive power is given to you. Will I accept this punishment and will it influence my behavior? So for me, the classic example of a coercive is speeding ticket. It's not safe to drive that fast. We have laws that say you shouldn't drive that fast. And if you get caught driving that fast, probably going to get a speeding ticket. And will that speeding ticket influence your behavior? Probably will. The sting of that fine is probably going to, you're going to hesitate. But how many times could you get a speeding ticket? How many times could your government use that course of power? Positional power, 
I was coaching someone yesterday and a good rule of thumb for me is a hundred days. When you get into a new position, you have about a hundred days to put your fingerprints on that organization to begin establishing referent power. And you're probably going to be using positional power in that first hundred days. And you probably have some extra power, some information power, your new blood into the organization. So you're bringing new blood, but all of those are going to fade and people will volunteer less and less. As always, referent power is that sustainable power. It grows over time like these sequoias. So Courageous Vision for us has a really strong relationship to power because you use your power to influence others to pursue your vision. So you're in a leadership position, whether it's a flat organization or a pyramid organization, and you have a vision for your team, for the organization, Creating, collecting, and using power to fulfill that vision is part of the requirement that we're talking about here. Unapologetically imparting your will or your vision on those who volunteer to follow you. We talk about planning and making a decision. Well, vision is one of those things you've planned and you've made a decision and now you have a team and unapologetically, enthusiastically pursuing that vision and using your power to get there. Your team has to understand the linkages between referent power and other types of power, because there are going to be times when you need to lean on other kinds of power. Someone does an especially good job, reward power. Someone violates core values or policies, perhaps then a coercive power. There's a saying in the leadership world, one of the worst things you could do to make a good person fall off the team is to allow another person to act badly and you're not willing to do anything about it. That would be a time that you would need to use your coercive power. So we voluntarily create, collect, and use power to create value, to control empathy, and to achieve personal and professional vision on behalf of those in our charge. Rosalie, you talked about this a minute ago, that what huge responsibility it is to be a leader is the moment someone volunteers to follow you, not their entire destiny, but a big part of their life is now invested in you and your leadership and this power that you're creating, collecting, and using. That's a huge responsibility, but one that's necessary. Just a really quick example of you know, this Edmund Burke quote in real life today. This is a picture of Juba, South Sudan at sunrise. Juba is the newest country in the world gained its independence in 2013, if my memory serves me, and almost immediately fell into civil war. So nine years, no, 11 years now. And so here you have this oil-rich nation, and through tyrannical power taking over the leadership and another tyrannical leader fighting to gain leadership, you've destroyed this entire brand new country. I think it's just a really stark, good example of what we're talking about here today in the costs of not creating, collecting, and using power for the good. So the bottom line, I've said this a dozen times, but that's what John Cotter tells us. You want to communicate, communicate, communicate. So create, collect, and use power on behalf of yourself, your family, your team, your organization, your church, your swim team, your soccer team, whatever you, whatever leadership roles you find yourself in. Had kind of a nerdy anecdote for this where so in um some Dungeons and Dragons games there's like the continuum between like chaos and order and also good and evil. So 
you can be like a good but chaotic leader, mm. but it's better to be like good and also ordered, you know? So it's just like that entropy is not necessarily good or evil, but the way that you control it will be. So being deliberate about that is important. I guess depending on which power you feel like you're stepping into the most at this time of your life right now, this is a great pausing point to work on that developmental assignment and journal and kind of mm -hmm. think about where you are and say if it is your first 100 days and you are in that more of that positional power role and you're wanting to work more towards reverent power and learning about those things, it's definitely a great thing to explore with our development assignments this week. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That was a question in Forbes magazine a few weeks ago that I responded to. They were asking, if you're new to an organization, how do you make your footprint? You know, how do you make your bones? And it is through one of these kinds of power. So you were hired probably for your technical expertise. So you have an expertise, use expert power. Build and sustain relationships so you can begin using positional power. You almost certainly don't have reward or coercive power at this point. We don't want you using information power and hoarding information. So use that expert power as you build your own referent power. And referent power really comes to you through the demonstration of all the characteristics of the house of leadership. So demonstrate that you're courageous. Demonstrate your T, your technical expertise when you're new to an organization. That you have a vision for your life and you have a vision for how you fit into the organization. Create and collect and use that power unapologetically. So as always, here's our developmental conversations. So again, journal, self, significant others. You're building this house of leadership together. Find a powerful leader. Many of them be a little bit bold, which we're going to talk about very soon. It's one of our characteristics. And ask a leader that makes you a little uncomfortable to ask them. But how do they create, collect, and use power as a leader and not as a tyrant? Well, thanks for being with us and thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Well, that concludes this episode of Building a Coaching Culture. I truly hope that this episode was helpful to you. If it was, be sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Maybe stop and give us a rating or a review and share this podcast with someone who might find it helpful as well. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.